from the heart of the Motor City, it's the Mitch Album Show with Mitch Album and Ken Brown. This hour is brought to you by the Flint Institute of Arts. Discover the joy of art. And Oxford Recovery Center, where healing begins. Now, here's Mitch. All right, a lot to go through in today's 6 o'clock hour. Let's jump right into it, talking about the latest with COVID-19. Bruce Wiley joins us, Executive Director, FICOR Professor, SUNY Graduate School of Public Health and Health Policy. Bruce, thanks for coming with on with us, as always. Thanks for having me again, Mitch. So the ruling uh, that is being challenged by the Biden administration now about uh, eliminating the mask mandate on planes and other forms of transportation, what is your take on that? Well, I think the, the concern right now is we've got uh, some upswings in, in COVID-19 cases and that, um, you know, we want to be careful around this time to make sure that we have enough precautions to prevent any type of upswing. Um, so that's the concern about this, from the scientific community in terms of the uh, you know, mask wearing. Um, and I think the larger concern is that such decisions should be more you know, scientific decisions rather than, you know, decisions emerging from a, a single judge. Um, so I think there's this larger question of like who should be making the policy when it comes to public health. And then the immediate question is that we've got these upswings of, of COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, well, there's also people who at this point, two and a half years in, are saying, well, why on airplanes and not in so many other places does it really make sense to have that as a travel ban? And aren't airplanes supposed to be filtering the air anyhow? And really, how much difference does a mask, if the, just the, the typical, not an N95, but the typical cloth mask that somebody might be wearing really make a difference? All that needs to be factored in, too, doesn't it? Yeah, that's that's been one of the challenges, that a lot of the, these mask rules have been inconsistent. Um, so it's one of these things where there needs to be more consistency uh, so if you're going to say, you know, wear masks, which is what you should, studies have shown that it helps when there's higher transmission of the virus, uh, then make sure it's really enforced you know, across the board and also be clear to everyone when you can remove masks, because, you know, when there's not really high transmission, then, you know, that's when you say, OK, well, you can you can be uh, you can relax some of the precautions. But one of the challenges is it's been inconsistent. You're seeing it applied some places and not other places. And I think that's that's what's kept people confused. And that's what made people makes people wonder, OK, you know, what's the basis behind this? And there are studies which have shown that it does reduce transmission. Let me ask you about booster shots uh, and where we are on the effectiveness now that we've had time to watch the booster shots, their effectiveness. It, it all depends on the, the study that you read. So I may be quoting one that they've come out with another one from, but I read a piece the other day where they examined how long you really hang on to your uh, protection, so to speak, your antibodies from A, having one shot, B, having two shots, C, having three shots, D, having any of those shots, plus having had the disease. And in almost all of the cases, there seems to be a big drop off, no matter what of the ones that I just listed, after three or four months. And, you know, not that it goes to nothing, but there's a significant drop off from any of the vaccines or a booster uh, three or four months out. I don't think anybody 
in America has the tolerance for getting booster shots every four months, uh, every five or six months even, to deal with COVID-19 at this point. Where are we going to end up going with all of this? What, what, what does all that mean? And would you tell our audience also the difference between judging something based on antibodies and understanding that you have T cells and B cells and other things that can kick in and can fight even if your antibodies have waned? Absolutely. So regarding those two things, so I completely agree, and I think uh, many people in the scientific community agree that it's not, it's not a viable um, strategy to have booster shots every three to four months. That's, that, that was never an intention. Um, it, it's just not practical. Um, so I'll, I'll go back to that in just a second. But with, with antibodies, yeah, antibodies only one measure of the immune response. So there's different types of ways the immune system can respond to an invader or an infection. And one is by secreting antibodies that then cover and, and inactivate the virus or the pathogen. But there's also other responses like T cell responses, where you have these T cells that go around and, and chomp, chomp up whatever uh, virus there might be or chomp up the cells that are containing the virus. And there are also other T cells which can secrete different types of chemicals that can help ward off viruses. So antibodies is just one measure. It's the easiest thing to measure. Uh, the other things are harder to measure. So just because your antibody levels go down, that doesn't mean you're like not completely protected um, against the virus. So we have to keep that in mind. It's just one measure. Uh, regarding the, you know, the repeated boosters, uh, that's why it's really important for us to come up with a sustainable strategy going forward. Uh, that's why we shouldn't stop researching, you know, different types of vaccines. There's, there are other vaccines that are, have been under development. So the solution may be another type of vaccine or a combination of vaccines going forward. Um, so we can't stop with the research. We can't just say, oh, okay, we've got these vaccines on the market and these are what we're going to go with um, forever going forward. We have to continue the work and we have to continue the funding for that research. And that's been one challenge too. We can't just say, let's just stop now and allow everyone to get yeah. um, boosted every four months. That's not sustainable. Anyone who looks at some of these numbers on a daily basis, as I <laughs> sadly do, will notice that now, as you pointed, there's a little bit of an uptick in cases, but the number mm -hmm. of deaths keeps dropping and dropping, you know, on a two-week basis, dropping and dropping. I think the other day there was like 400, 350 total deaths in America compared to when there were thousands when this was going on. Uh, there's going to be a point where, you know, people point that out and say, okay, getting it is not the end of the world. And so many of us have now been vaccinated or already had it that we're going to have some form of immunity to it. And so I guess my question to you is, is it possible that as the, these variants continue, and I know we're on, you know, the BA2 variant, whatever, mm -hmm. is it possible that they would become deadlier or just more contagious as the BA2 thing is? Because it certainly seems that as, as we've moved along on this thing, even though there have been new variants, the Omicron wasn't as deadly as the one before it. The BA2 isn't as, as, isn't as deadly as maybe even the Omicron one. So are, is there any chance that that could turn and suddenly a new variant could come out that is not only contagious but deadlier? It's 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 less likely, um, you know, it, it's it's similar to the flu when the flu first hit people, you know, many, many years ago, you know, the death rates were much higher. 
And it was a, a bigger problem because our immune systems weren't used to dealing with it. But, but eventually it transitioned to a more of a seasonal virus. And that's probably what's going to happen with the, this COVID-19 coronavirus. We're all already seeing it because, you know, the more and more you get you see it, the more and more your immune system knows how to respond to it. Uh, so that's probably, you know, be, is happening right now. And we just want to make sure that we, we get that transition uh, ultimately occurring. Now, there's always a chance, just like there's a chance that there's going to be a, a, a flu virus that jumps from an animal, a new flu virus that jumps from an animals to humans, and then that can cause pandemic. Something like that could potentially happen with, you know, a, a coronavirus down the road. So that can happen. But regarding the, the ones that are circulating right now amongst humans, evolution occurs slowly in terms of like you're not you're the chances of, a, of like an unusual variant popping out that's going to kill a lot more people is is a lot lower so most likely we're seeing what we expected to happen in 2022 which is this transition um because people have been exposed through vaccination or through natural exposure you think we're ever going to find out where this came from um you know the those things take time because you know you have to track where the lineages actually occur you have to look at you know what are what are the types of circulated animals and see how it's linked you know there's evidence uh, one of the challenges is that it takes funding and resources to actually do the studies uh, and go out and test the viruses that are circulating in the animals and then see how similar they are to the virus that's circulated among people. So so it, it is possible, but it takes time um, and you can't really do it. But, with, but is with, it possible uh, without without having lost the opportunity to go back and, and look at, the, you know, everything in China was closed down. They missed all that evidence. It's all been cleaned up now. Doesn't that affect the ability to try to determine where it started? Yeah, it makes it more difficult. And it, it's it's rather unfortunate because we really need to have a situation where, you know, everyone around the world is more open about like, oh, you know, there, you know, there's the scientific community needs to figure these things out. So it's unfortunate that, that um, there wasn't more openness uh, over there in terms of releasing the information because we, you know, as, as a society, we want to get to get, get this, these answers collectively. Um, but it is possible to go back and, and trace back some of the information. You know, you can go test the animals around there and see how different um, the virus that's circulating among the animals like bats, et cetera, is from, you know, the current virus. So it's possible. Bruce Wiley, thank you for spending time with us. Always good to talk to you. Likewise. Happy to be here. It's 760 WJR.